Welcome to Manager Tools. No surprises in reviews. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. Can I share something new with the direct in an annual review? What can I address with the direct in a performance review? Why shouldn't I bring up new information in a review? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Folks, this week's episode of Manager Tools is brought to you by the Manager Tools Effective Communications Conference. We'll teach you how to observe and analyze other people's communication behaviors, both verbally, face-to-face, and in email, and tell you how to make small changes in how you communicate with others to help you be more effective. With all the talk about collaboration and teamwork, you've got to become a better communicator if you want to be most effective. Come see us at our Effective Communication Conference. Come to the website, manager-tools.com. We've got a list of all of them that are coming up through 2016 and into 2017 as well. And I'm going to podcast bomb you by saying that ECC is the thing. The Effective Communications Conference, of course, is what I wish I had known at the beginning of my career. If I, had I known that, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be on this podcast. You. I wouldn't be on this podcast right now. I'd be retired. Everybody would have worked for you. Exactly. <laughs> okay. As I say at the start, when I present, I don't present it very much anymore, but uh, single most important thing I ever learned in my professional life. To me, the most wonderful thing about many organizations, that's the the annual performance review and um, the need for managers who believe that it is their role to entertain and uh, introduce some drama into uh, corporate life because it's not exciting enough without that. Uh, and so they decide that the way they're going to do that is they're going to share something new with directs in a performance review. <laughs> it's always exciting. You can never find more than 5% of an audience that says, oh, yeah, I like the annual performance review. And it's done in virtually all mid to large size companies. And it's horrible. And it's so bad that now in the popular press, they're talking about getting rid of it. The only problem is they're addressing the symptom and not the underlying problem. And managers think, well, I have to be honest in my review, which is funny because it only has tangentially to do with honesty, because if the manager's had been honest, they would have been given feedback daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly throughout the year. That would have been honest. Actually, writing something down that's a surprise in a review is not about honesty because we've already thrown honesty overboard. What it is is I have to please my masters and I haven't done my job throughout the years. So I'm going to use this organizational system in order to teledirect something I should have told them months ago. And we wonder why people don't like them. Yeah. Throughout the year, I decided to um, to give um, higher meaning to my own personal comfort and uh, yeah. default way of working over that of giving you some feedback that would actually be useful to you. And I'm going to, but I'm going to exercise all that. I'm going to do my confession at the end of the year and just dump it all on your performance. Yeah. And I can blame it on the system. You know, sorry, nobody likes reviews. Yeah. So look, we've got three easy, this is an easy piece of guidance, folks. It has huge ramifications, but it's an easy piece of guidance to digest. Three key points. First of all, obviously, never deliver new information in a performance review. If you talk about it in a performance review, it should be at least the second time you're doing so. The reason why is it destroys your credibility and trust with your directs, which is the foundation of high performance. And the answer, of course, is to start delivering feedback more regularly so you'll have credibility when you deliver the review at the end of the year. Cool. Okay, so for many people, the idea of never delivering new information in a performance review will 
will be pretty self-evident, right? I mean, that, that we won't get a lot of argument. And then, and right. on the other hand, there are some people who who will the argue majority. that. So let's. The, you think the majority really? Oh, oh, you would argue now that the majority know they're not supposed to introduce new stuff. Hmm. God. No, no, no. No, probably. No, 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 dude. Get out in the field. No, no, no. People aren't doing it. I would argue that people know they're not supposed to, but they do anyway. It's like when they oh. do it, they know that they really shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Now we're having a discussion between the knowing and doing gap, yeah. about which we, we couldn't care less. All we care about is what you do. If you do something and then you want to defend it by saying, well, I knew I shouldn't, but I went ahead and did. Your distinction about what you intellectually knew versus what you actually did is not worth discussing because we don't get paid for what we know or what we think or what we feel. We only get paid for what we do. All right. Fair enough. Just like organizations. The organization's culture doesn't make money for the company. The behaviors of the organization, which is how culture is derived, is what matters. Okay. I've been spanked once again. Yeah. So, so, no. <laughs> so here, here's a simple one of your directs, let's say, stumbles on a particular project earlier in, in the year. Or maybe they regularly fail to achieve a fairly well understood standing metric or goal. If you can't say, we've talked about this, whether you say that or not, if you can't honestly tell a third party that I've talked about this with this direct, when you deliver that review at the end of the year, Ethically, you can't mention that failure in their review. Now, this surprises some people because what they want to do is talk about reviews and they want to they want to only define the discussion around the delivery of the review. And they say, well, Mark, that's not right because I have to be candid because I'm giving this information to the company. I said, yes, but the company expects that even though they don't say it, they expect you to have talked about this stuff throughout the year. And the manager says, well, that's catch-22. I haven't done it, but they still expect me to do so in the review. And I say, actually, no, that's not true. And what most managers don't know is that there's a little bit of history behind performance reviews that are worth sharing. Believe it or not, folks, performance reviews were invented in the 19th century by the United States Army. Go Army. Yeah, yeah. They were invented. And actually, of course, they then were expanded to all of the branches of service. The key is the military, and they were invented strictly as an organizational system to support succession planning. Not to put too fine a point on it, but captains evaluated lieutenant's performance and reported it up the chain of command. And the reason for this was so that the colonel, who outranks the captain, who outranks the lieutenant, so the colonel would know which lieutenant to promote to captain if the captain died in combat, okay? Obviously, it makes sense when you think about it systemically, organizationally, historically, that the military would have a higher interest in really robust, effective succession planning because, of course, the military's mission is to put itself in harm's way. What's interesting about this is performance reviews were invented as a tool for the organization, not the individual. That's why they were invented, for the captain to tell the colonel something. And they were not shared with the person being reviewed. And when I tell people this, they immediately react, well, that's not fair. Well, first of all, fairness is not number one on organizational lists. 
But more importantly, if that's the case, then every discussion by every executive about every manager must therefore be shared with every manager, which is not the case. If fairness and transparency always went together, then everybody should know everyone else's salary, which is just ludicrous because it's personal and it's a standing thing that salaries are confidential. So the organizational system of succession planning doesn't have to be totally transparent. Now, you might argue, well, Mark, why would they be talking about me and telling me how I'm good or bad privately, but not share that with me? And I would say, exactly. But the system by which organizations deliver information about performance to the people who are performing can be a different system than the one that's a system the organization uses for succession planning. Right. And the fact that in, in the army, there was, there were, there were other. Yeah. Ones. They didn't, they didn't need a system for providing feedback to the person being evaluated. They never intended performance reviews to have that purpose. Officers were already doing that in other ways, to some degree through clear missions and objectives. And when the military actually had to do its mission, it was very clear whether someone achieved their objective or their mission. That's right. If you've ever been around a, like a basic training company, there's little doubt that the soldiers are getting pretty frequent uh, feedback on how well they're doing, right? Exactly. Yeah. So then you ask yourself, well, how then did we get to today's state of reviews and the way we use them now? Here's how. Whether people like it or not, it's a it's an artifact, it's a function of history that the reason that large organizations today are vertically structured is partially because of sociology. Human beings respond to that. It's normal. There's all kinds of sociological work. And because the only organizations that were bigger than corporate organizations who have informed and pushed forward the, the state of management so much over the last 100 years, the only organizations that were bigger than corporate organizations that they could use as an example were military organizations. In fact, one of the first organizations that got big in the world was the railroad corporations. And they got so big that they needed structure and so they adapted the military structure. You may not like that, but that's an artifact of history. Um, you're, you're not gonna do any good. You're, you're screaming at the rain by suggesting that it shouldn't be thus. Companies got nearly as big as the military, especially after World War II. After World War II, much of the world boomed in terms of economics, and economic booms then drive the size of companies that are serving that economic boom. And because of that, companies adopted the performance review for succession planning. But they also learned, because they still didn't understand management exceptionally well, that managers weren't doing their jobs of giving frequent focused feedback on performance, in part because they didn't have the systems in place that the military did. So large organizations simply co-opted the performance review to become a feedback delivery mechanism. Okay. So now we have a system that's been co-opted incorrectly. And because managers weren't trained to give frequent feedback and didn't, and didn't have other systems to talk about performance, the primary system for providing feedback ended up becoming the annual performance review. And folks, literally two entire generations of managers, including to some degree, Mike and I, believed that was reasonable. Yeah, and, and going to delivering um, surprising reviews, we believe it's reasonable to some extent because 
This happened to us, right? It happens all the time. Exactly. You learn management. As we've said before, the worst thing to happen to you in your career professionally is for your first boss, when you are an empty vessel, to be horrible. You'll learn a lot of things that will make you either make you a bad manager or make you not want to manage. Well, we're human beings and we have the uh, ability to reason. And if you reason through this as you have and as you will the rest of this podcast, it's pretty easy to figure out that giving new stuff in a surprise, new surprises, new information in a review is not a good thing. I'll give you a great example. I was recently at one of the biggest companies in the history of America for a long time, the biggest company in the history of America. And they were instrumental in causing other companies to adopt this technique of turning the performance review into a feedback delivery system rather than just a succession planning instrument. And I asked the group of 20 or so managers and executives in the room when we were talking about feedback and how to deliver feedback and how feedback is part of a larger system of performance communication, I asked them about performance reviews. And I said, raise your hand if you know that it is standard practice. The benchmarking of the most effective practices in delivering performance reviews means you always give it to the uh, employee, your direct, the night before to allow them to read it, to not be surprised in front of you. And not a single hand went up. And these were people with 10, 15, 20, 25 years of management experience. And they were aghast at the idea. They said, well, that's bad. They may have specific questions they may come up with. I kind of want them to not know the yeah, details I wouldn't want it. them to be prepared to ask me difficult questions. I listened to these professionals and I was just, they were as innocent as pie about their complete lack of knowledge about a core part of their job. I'm glad it's you that does this kind of stuff because I I would just sit there my draw would my jaw would drop to the ground and I'd be speechless for five minutes. Like, sir, you imply that my jaw did not drop to the ground and that I wasn't speechless for five seconds. Yeah, and guys, we alluded to this before. How do we know we've been doing this wrong? Just ask around in your organization about the level of satisfaction people have and the credibility associated with your organization's performance review system. You know, and we know that performance review systems in most organizations are broken. Most managers grossly underinvest in preparing them and writing them and then deliver bad news as a surprise, all while fretting that they don't have enough salary discretion to make people happy anyway. But look, there's even an easier way to grasp the value of no surprises. And we often say about this, never tolerate from your directs that which you would not visit on your manager. Ask yourself the simple question, would you want to be surprised by your boss in a review? Would you want to hear that an incident in March or July, the project you failed or the goals you haven't met, never mentioned previously, was a key part of why you got less than a stellar review? Of course you wouldn't. Delayed feedback that has significant impact is punishment. And punishment is not feedback. It's just punishment. What's worse, it's formal punishment because there'll be a permanent record of it. So unfortunately, we are the inheritors. You know, we inherited a bad system. But just because of the way it happened, what most managers don't realize is there is an assumption on the part of your organization that you know you're not supposed to surprise a direct and you're supposed to have been doing throughout the year the things that every organization says, which is talk to your people, give them performance communication, talk to them daily, weekly. Even if you don't use the manager tools feedback model, in some way, talk to your directs 
not just so that you can say, yes, I talk to my people, but so that if we ask, your directs would say, yes, my boss tells me what I did well and what I didn't do well, and I know where I stand. As I like to tell audiences all the time, most of you privately would admit you'd rather work for a boss who was candid with you about your mistakes than work for a boss who never tells you how you're doing and you have to wonder. That's how desperate we all are for for feedback. That's right. And the organization expects you as a manager to do that. And right. your directs expect you to do that as their manager. And as soon as you start delivering surprises in their annual review, it completely destroys your credibility and their trust in you. Yeah. And look, if you deliver new information about less than ideal performance in a performance review, you're going to damage that credibility. Why? Because our directs know that part of our responsibility in the relationship with them is providing performance communications, effective feedback. And feedback I receive from my boss four, six, eight months after the fact isn't effective. When you recognize that the purpose of feedback is always to encourage effective behavior in the future, it is not to document a past failure because there's nothing we can do about the past failure. That kind of feedback punishment about something that far in the past isn't actionable. And that makes it essentially punishment, the documentation of failure. Delivering surprising negative performance communication in a performance review is the equivalent of saying that even if I don't tell you how you're doing and how to do better, I'm still willing to tell the company how you're doing when you're doing poorly. In other words, I'm going to do the enforcement part of my job, but not the encouragement part of my job. That gives the lie every time to the situation where you want to sit down with your direct and just chat or just be one of the guys. Look, it's worse than that. You're also going to damage trust, which we say over and over and over again, one-on-ones, not just our tool, but that is the tool we teach in order for you to develop a relationship with your directs. And the purpose of developing a close, trusting relationship with your directs is we know it is the single biggest lever to deliver better business results for an organization. So anything you're going to do that'll damage trust, and sometimes you do have to do that, but anything you can prevent yourself from doing that you're not required to do, you should do. Why are you going to damage trust? Because you've probably been making claims that you care about your direct, you care about their development, you care about their performance, you care about their growth. But if you really cared, why wouldn't you have talked to me about the mistakes that you considered serious enough to mention in the only official performance document in my personnel file this year? As Mike said at the top of the, our discussion, how did you put it, Mike? You said, throughout the year, I've decided to put my own personal comfort or the avoidance of the discomfort of a tough conversation with right. you above my concern for you. That's right. Yeah, exactly. If you do that to me, if you don't talk to me throughout the year, it's clear to me that what you care about is satisfying organizational requirements rather than helping me grow and develop. Surprising someone in a review says you don't care about them despite what you may have said all along. Now look, caveat here, guys. If you don't care about your directs, you won't be damaging trust because there won't be any. And you can go right ahead, surprise everybody, all you want. I suspect it doesn't apply to our listeners. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listening to yeah. us. <laughs> Every once in a while, though, we get a new listener. Somebody says, hey, you should listen to these guys. And then they listen. And they're listening and they go, wow, these guys talk about encouragement. 
They talk about trust. Forget they that. They talk about relationships. I didn't know that was related to management. These two guys are military guys. They're both engineers. Why would they think about that stuff? Well, if it's stupid and it works, it's not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer to all this, guys, and performance reviews are where we see the ultimate result of bad behavior and we hate the performance review system because of it. But the performance review system is not the problem. The problem is all of us not doing a better job of talking more frequently about performance. So this year, if you haven't done your duty and given regular performance communication, and we're recording this late in the calendar year 2016, if you haven't done that this year, if you haven't done your job day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter, we recommend you're going to have to leave out of your direct performance reviews those incidents you haven't previously discussed. If you want to discuss them verbally as part of the discussion in the review, that's fine. But they don't get written up and they don't affect your evaluation of their performance. You could mention it privately to your boss, but it's not in the formal documentation. Yeah. And then in 2017, do things a little bit differently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And by the way, um, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Very small bites. That's how you get there. So that at the end of the year, the elephant's already eaten. And everybody knows we're talking about the elephant, but we've already taken care of it throughout the year. So the key to this whole thing is having the credibility to deliver that negative, if in fact there is a negative, by doing stuff throughout the year. And when we say effective feedback, what we mean is actionable for the direct. If you do that throughout the year, your directs not only will improve, but they'll actually trust the review you deliver that actually can have more negatives in it because they will know that you're simply capturing for the record how they did in the year. And for the record, we're not suggesting you only give negative performance communications, negative effective feedback. We're also recommending you give lots of positive feedback as well. Many of us as managers think that our job is to find the mistakes and fix it. And so therefore, when good things happen, it's as if it nothing happened because we don't talk about it. If you really want to change people's behavior, the first thing to do is start recognizing the things they do good more often. And they will continue to want to do more things good. And therefore, they'll do less things bad. Yeah. And if you're at the end of the year and you're not looking at all forward to reviews because you think there's going to be a lot of acrimony, a lot of stress, negative feelings coming out of the performance reviews. It's likely that you haven't been giving feedback the entire year. You start doing that, reviews are, they're just a they're formality, right? Yeah. yeah. No surprises there, boss. Even those who are not performing well, that, no surprises. I knew this, knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, takes all the stress out of performance reviews. Yeah. Now, we probably should have said at the start of this guidance that we have one of my all-time favorite series of casts, a four-part series that's nearly 11 years old that that stands the test of time beautifully. We still stand behind it 100%. It's a four-part series called How to Prepare For, How to Write, and How to Deliver Performance Reviews. And this ties into that in detail. If you're now thinking, oh gosh, this makes me rethink my year and my performance reviews, Go back, go to iTunes, go look through your app, or go find the podcast on our website at Map of the Universe and listen to that four-part series where we talk about preparing, writing, and delivering a review. Most of you probably don't realize there are two standard sentence structures 
to write the written comments on a performance review. They're generally accepted in the corporate executive and HR world. If you don't know what those structures and formats are, you're probably not using them. And if you're not using them, you're showing yourself as maybe a high-level amateur in writing reviews rather than a professional. So let me just summarize. Folks, it's not right to not have done your job throughout the year, but then when it's permanent and official, try to do your job in arrears. To deliver a review with surprises is to admit that you yourself didn't do your job, and that's not fair to your directs. And it's not effective. Resolve to be better. Start giving more regular feedback next year. And then next year, your reviews will be more accurate and more credible, and those two things will make them more effective. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, my friend. Anytime, partner. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week. Have a great one. So long. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want. With easy searching of podcasts by category, using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're a Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Managed Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did.